Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in. Here at the Hackeye Institute, we've decided to try something a little new. Tula founder Eric Peterson is here to kick off a podcast series that will outline what we do here at Hackeye and what brings us all together on the coast of British Columbia. Stay tuned for more episodes coming straight to your inbox or download the podcast and listen on your way to work. Without further ado, here is Eric's podcast. So that music was El Cuarto de Tula, or Tula's Room, by the Buena Vista Social Club. That's a fitting introduction for this, the first Tula podcast. We'll see how podcasting turns out to be a useful way for me to communicate. So what's the theme for today? The story of the Hakai Institute. I know being up close to Hakai on a day-to-day basis, I tend to lose perspective. I get impatient. I complain. I can't understand why things that seem so simple take so long to get done. But if I take a deep breath, step back and gain from perspective, I can see the real story. It's a remarkable story of how a small local organization has seemingly come out of nowhere and quite quickly come to have a large impact in science at the highest level, locally, nationally, and now even globally. How did that happen, and what can we learn from it? The key to seizing an opportunity is being prepared. They say that chance favors the prepared mind. The first person to say this was Louis Pasteur. I looked that up. When we started Hackeye, we clearly had the attributes and experience that prepared us for the opportunities that would come our way. First, we had our attitude. We were very ambitious with very high expectations for success. I've gone through my life with that attitude. Nothing matters more, in my opinion. If there's one thing I've tried to instill in our organization, it's just that. Have high expectations, expect to be outrageously successful at everything we do. Second, we had our skill set. We were strong in technology. We knew how to build networks and coalitions. We were good at finding and exploiting niches in complicated markets. Note that I see the world of science as a marketplace, that I think in terms of market segments, sustainable competitive advantage, all the jargon of business. I find it useful. Third, we had our independence. We had access to very significant funding, which allowed for independent strategy, risk-taking, and rapid development. But the money per se was less important than the independence it gave us. Fourth, we had our connections. We already had strong contacts and credibility with the BC University research community based on previous projects. So what was our formula for success? What was our market segment? We saw a significant gap we could fill. That was the central coast of British Columbia, a world-class scientific asset that was neglected and underperforming. The region already had high profile at the level of activism and politics because of decades of struggle, which was culminating in the process that would eventually lead to the Great Bear Rainforest Agreement. At the same time, however, funding for the kind of science that was needed was at a historic low. Therefore, the good news for us was that we faced little or no competition. Let's think about the location, the tangibles and the intangibles. As they say in the real estate business, the three most important things are location, location, and location. There's no location on the British Columbia coast better suited to science than our property on Calvert Island. 
it really does give us an unfair advantage. And we cannot deny that the exotic resort-like visuals and its location at the heart of First Nations traditional territory add to the site's allure and profile. But taking advantage of the opportunity wasn't going to be easy. Fortunately, we had the technical capability, the local knowledge, and the practical know-how needed to establish facilities and build up our scientific capacity in that remote coastal environment. Of course, the goal of the exercise is to do science. We established a scientific mission that matched the location we'd chosen. We'd focus on long-term, multidisciplinary research with climate change as the underlying narrative. Everyone in science knows that this is the right strategy, but that the current funding model for university science, with its focus on short-term objectives, always works against it. Finding academic partners was easy. There was an enormous pent-up demand for the kind of science we were championing, which made it easy for us to recruit the best scientists from the BC universities. We built a network of the most talented and productive, mostly younger, faculty who were also committed to collaboration. Our partnerships centered on postdoctoral fellows and in-kind support. We built up our own scientific capability to provide leadership and continuity. We've maintained our focus on technology and innovation. We take great pride at being first and best in any new area, whether it be geospatial technologies, sensor networks, genomics, or mesocosms. We then use those capabilities to foster and maintain alliances. Government scientists were attracted to Hakai for the same reason academic researchers came. We drew from DFO, the provincial agencies, and elsewhere. Over time, support and collaboration trickled up to the leadership of these organizations. Cross-border science has become very important for us. Our strategic location, halfway between Washington State and Alaska, has led to requests for collaboration with U.S. agencies such as NOAA and the National Science Foundation. We pounced on all such opportunities. Some great international opportunities came to us unsolicited as word of our work spread. For example, the Smithsonian Institution came calling, asking us to be one of the founding members of their Marine Global Earth Observatory. We also joined the U.S. National Science Foundation's Research Coordination Network for Coastal Watersheds with partners from Alaska and the U.S. Pacific Northwest. We like to co-op potential rivals and turn them into allies. We reached out proactively to organizations actively in British Columbia who might be seen as rivals and brought them into our orbit. Organizations such as Ocean Networks Canada, the Pacific Salmon Foundation, and the Bamfield Marine Sciences Centre. We've also reached out to Canada's East Coast researchers, to MIAPAR, the Ocean Tracking Network, Dalhousie, and Memorial Universities, to defuse competition and forge national alliances. Media. We use our media organization to tell our own stories, but we also use them to build bridges to other partners by chronicling their work. And we are staying aggressive. We're not done yet. We will continue to jump on any opportunities that expand our regional, national, and international profile, as we've done recently with the new Canadian Integrated Ocean Observing System. Allí fueron los sombreros con sus campanas, sus sirenas.